In this week's In-Ear Insights, as it's about to be content marketing world, figured this week we could talk about uh, one of the missing pieces of content marketing, which is content attribution. So content attribution, well, you know, what is content attribution? Katie, when you hear that term, what does that mean to you? Content attribution uh, in my world means what has the content done for my marketing to drive people into the funnel and down you know, that customer journey. And so what I want to know with content attribution is what pieces are doing what things, what content is slotting into different phases of the customer journey and helping people get what they need from us. Mm -hmm. And in terms of um, ways of getting that, how have you managed uh, thus far? Or how does the average marketer who maybe has Google Analytics and their the social media posting tool of their choice. How do you see people getting their existing uh, content attribution? How do you see people trying to solve for that problem if they are? I think that they're they're not. Um, I think that there's a lot of confusion still, you know, around easy ways to do attribution. So we talk about you know uh, attribution analysis, and obviously we use some machine learning to do it because the out-of-the-box attribution from Google Analytics is pretty good, but it's not wholly accurate. And so if you are using Google Analytics, then uh, there are some data-driven models, uh, some time decay models. Those things are really good to tell you what brought people into your site. But unfortunately, that's kind of where things stop. And so that gives you sort of two pieces of the puzzle. It gives you awareness and it gives you purchase, but it doesn't give you that in between where you're trying to nurture and you're trying to educate and you're trying to keep people engaged. And I think that that's the missing piece of content attribution if you're just using something out of the box like Google Analytics for your attribution. So I think that's the problem that a lot of marketers can't solve for. They know what content brings people in. They know maybe what content converts, but they don't know what's in the middle. I, I think the problem is actually even worse than that because particularly for GA4, uh, there really isn't much in the way of content reporting other than, you know, pages and screens. Like, okay, which pages got the most traffic and stuff. To, but to your point, there really is, other than looking at like what the landing page was that brought somebody into uh, a website, there really isn't a, a good built-in way of reporting on that. Now, you can do some of that reporting with the Explore Hub feature, uh, but even there you've got some limitations. Uh, you can also, if you're uh, very good and diligent about using UTM tracking codes, you can use the UTM campaign and the UTM content codes. But e again, even in GA4, uh, UTM content and keyword are not available in the attribution model. So you really are kind of limited as to, as to what you can and can't do. And to your point about the, the different uh, attribution models, the challenge with some of them is that, with most of them is that they really are optimized for acquisition, like what channel drove mm -hmm. users, or whatever, and not they're not focused on content, which I feel like is a, a pretty big miss. Mm -hmm. And this is not just about Google because every tool has this problem. Um, given what's happening with privacy legislation and how restrictive um, it's becoming, 
it seems like a big miss to not have those tools for content. Mm -hmm. No, and, and I agree with that, especially where when you think about marketing in general, digital marketing, it pretty much all starts with content without having some kind of content, you don't have marketing. So if you're just, you know, putting up a post on social media, that's content. If you're creating a video, that's content. If you're creating a podcast, that's content. And so without a great way to track how these things are happening, then what's the point of doing them in the first place? So, you know, and I think that that's sort of part of the challenge as well is there's a misunderstanding of what content actually is. And it's pretty much everything you're producing that you are then pushing out on all of the digital channels. And so it's almost like if you take the word content out of the attribution analysis, it maybe somehow becomes easier because I think there's this misunderstanding, like if I'm just doing content attribution, that I must just want to know where in my journey the blog fits or where in my journey, you know, the podcast fits. But it's really everything that you're doing. It's just another way of saying digital marketing, because without that content, there is no marketing. Exactly. And that then brings up the, the biggest challenge in content attribution, which is you've got like 40 data sources right? Because you'll have mm -hmm. your YouTube channel stats and your Libsyn stats for your podcast and you, the, the stats from Agora Pulse for your uh, social media stuff. And they have Google Analytics and this, the content that lives on your site. Mm -hmm. And therein lies, how do you even figure out like what content, even just by content repository, what content is, is resonating or not? It's really, really challenging. Well, and I guess that's sort of the question, Chris. Um, and I know that you're talking about this uh, at Content Marketing World this week. And so, you know, we're recording this on a Monday to produce on Wednesday. And you're speaking, what, Wednesday, Thursday? Thursday. So you'll be teaching people the basics of content attribution. So what are some of the basics that our podcast listeners can take away from this conversation? The starting point is UTM tagging. Using mm -hmm. that UTM campaign tag at, for each individual piece of content, right? Uh, that is, if there was one thing you could do that required no extra lifting, that would be it. Because in Google Analytics 4, you can run its attribution model uh, using campaign. So if you've got your, your content rigorously tagged, every link in your newsletter you know, is from just that issue for the newsletter for the UTM campaign. When you post on social, it's, you know, maybe it's got the date and the time and the piece of content stamped within the campaign deck. That, with the built-in tools, is probably the easiest way to get a look at what content is performing well for nudging people towards conversion. Assuming you have the rest of GA4 set up uh, correctly. For if you have no other resources, no other skills, that's where I would start. Now, is it true that, so obviously we associate UTM tags with Google Analytics, but a lot of other systems have adopted the use of using those UTM tags in a URL. So I know that you can bring them into, you know, probably Salesforce, you can bring them into Adobe Analytics. So I think maybe the other takeaway there is even if you're not rigorously using Google Analytics, your UTM tags are still relevant for other systems. And so regardless, that is the thing that you should be using. A hundred percent. And then if you are doing a good job with those campaign tags, then 
for example, in your marketing automation software or in your sales CRM, ideally, you have a list of here are the different pieces of content that person has interacted with, right? Mm -hmm. So they came in through this UTM campaign for uh, this webinar, for this YouTube video, for this white paper, et cetera. And then with some additional tools, you can build modeling based on that to say like, yeah, these are the pieces of content that show up the most in people who convert and don't show up in the people who don't convert. Mm -hmm. Well, and when I hear that, that to me says it's an opportunity to make sure that the pieces of content that you're serving people at the different stages of their journey are the right kinds of messaging. And so we've talked about sort of awareness content versus purchase content. If P if you have a piece of content that are bringing people in for the first time, it should probably be introductory content. Hey, we're Trust Insights. This is what we do. These are the kinds of things we talk about. These are the problems we solve. These are our resources. And so making sure that that content is available for people who want to learn about you and then come in. But then as people are coming in the door, don't keep introducing yourself with those resources. Like they've got it. That's why they're there in the first place. So that's when you can dig deeper into the, and here's how we solve this problem. And here's the type of problem you might be facing. And that brings up a really important point about your Google Analytics governance, as well as you know all any other governance that uses UTM tagging. Mm -hmm. You need different conversions for different parts of the customer journey, right? You need an awareness conversion, like a first user visit. You need an engagement uh, conversion, like sign up for a newsletter or download a white paper. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know that just because somebody signs up for your newsletter does not mean they're ready to buy, right? Mm -hmm. A salesperson should not be ringing the, your, your phone, you know, saying, okay, you're ready to buy our, our server plants. Like, no, I just signed up for your newsletter. Leave me alone. Uh, and then obviously a contact or request a demo or something like that would be more of your uh, consideration uh, mm -hmm. or, or pre-purchase actions. But you need those different conversions set up in a tool like Google Analytics because if you do your campaign tagging rigorously, then you can see the content that converts at each of those stages. Without mm -hmm. that, you're just kind of hoping, you're just trying to infer content, you know, all the way to the end. And to your point, you may be having different content will resonate at different points in the customer journey. Well, and especially if your sales cycle is, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months, you are completely going to lose track of what's working within those 18 months uh, from the time of them first learning about you to the time of them actually doing something, you're going to have no idea because 18 months have gone by and who knows what it was that brought them back in or kept them there. Exactly. And even that goes you know, to additional governance issues. Cause mm -hmm. again, if there's, if there are these, uh, really long sales cycles, then you need to have something that's constantly refreshing the campaign codes um, to keep bringing that person back in. Otherwise, after a certain amount of time, depending on what you have set up in Google Analytics, that person will get treated as a new user, uh, as an example. Mm -hmm. So you want to have those regular and frequent pieces of content, like a, a newsletter. One of the reasons that, uh, and this has been something that I've done in my career for the last 15 years, is have a weekly newsletter. Uh, a monthly newsletter is just not enough to get somebody um, to keep them engaged, to keep presence of mind and to keep your analytic systems working, right? Because if somebody opens up maybe every other newsletter from you, okay, great. They open two a month. So you're still getting decent data. If you send out a monthly newsletter, 
you're six, you could be 60 days between opens, right? Depending on what your timeouts are for things like campaign codes and Google Analytics, you might be dropping that person and causing them to be treated like somebody a brand new. And if you send it quarterly, you're, you're hosed. Well, and so there's the data side of it, but there's the human side of it too, where if they're not getting your newsletter more frequently, then they're probably like me who looked at their email inbox this morning and go, I don't remember signing up for this. Unsubscribe. What the hell is this? Get out of here. Delete it. Oh, this looks like spam. Great. Because the in frequency, it's not a word, the lack of frequency from these con these pieces of content make me as the end user forget what the heck it even is. And I've already lost interest and I don't want it cluttering up because it's not something that is useful to me anymore. And you've already lost me as a potential customer. Exactly. So you've got to have frequency mm -hmm. to fuel content attribution. Uh, it, it, that means social posts, email newsletters, um, text messages, whatever, however you stay in, in touch with your customers. Mm -hmm. And you also need to have uh, a way of compiling all the data together. So there's two different types of content attribution models that you can run. Once you get to the more sophisticated version, assuming that you're, you, you've gotten all you can out of Google Analytics and you want to take it to the next level. There's a classification model, which is really best for on-site content. And basically that looks at what are the pages that people visit for sessions that convert versus the pages people don't visit for sessions that don't convert, right? And you want to compare these two, essentially two types of visits and say, okay, what are those pages that show up in converting sessions that don't show up in non-converting sessions? And, and with a, a, a you know, machine learning model of your choice to do that classification, you can then come up with a list that says, here are the pages that show up the most in high converting um, uh, sessions. And that tells you your most valuable content on site. You know, and I think to that too. So we're talking about you need to be creating content frequently. And I can imagine, you know, ourselves included, a lot of marketers going, well, I just don't have the resources to create that much content. That's why recycling your content or using something like the transmedia framework is insanely useful in this type of, you know, conversation because basically you're creating a couple of different pieces of content and then reusing it a bunch of different ways. And so, for example, you know, Chris and I each write a piece for our newsletter every week. And then what we've been doing for, I mean, over a year now, is then taking those individual pieces of content from the newsletter and recycling them into blog posts, you know, with a delay, with a lag on our website. So that's two blog posts a week that we didn't then also additionally have to write. And we are theoretically hitting different audience members because people who sign up for the newsletter are not necessarily the same as the people who come to our website and learn about us for the first time. And we're also getting that, you know, data from email marketing and from organic search. We can also then take those, you know, blog posts and pieces of content and turn them into, you know, social posts. And so we've written something once and we now have three different ways to use it. Exactly. And Every one of those things is an at-bat. So if we take, mm -hmm. for example, with this podcast, we're going to take a 60-second snippet. That's going to go to TikTok. That's going to go to Instagram as a reel. It's going to go to Instagram as a story. It's going to go uh, to YouTube as a short. And one of the things I've seen very successful content creators do is atomize you know, that, that content just because 
they're looking for the serendipity, like if they're getting the person at the right moment in time, mm-hmm. so that if somebody sees just the short of this the video, they're like, oh, that was actually interesting. Let me go ahead and, and click through and, and watch the whole video uh, mm-hmm. or go read the blog post and things like that. And, you know, to your point, having content in multiple formats, you know, text, video, and audio, not only is good for accessibility, but is mm-hmm. also three chances to reach somebody instead of one on, on any given piece of content. So having, having that stuff out there creates more... I, uh, I, I don't like to liken it to you know having hooks in the water for fish because it implies customers are are, are just edible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the concept does hold. Well, and to your point, Chris, it's more data points for your attribution model. And what I know mm-hmm. from working with you is that the more data that you have to feed into these models the more accurate they become, the more detailed they become, therefore giving you better actions and insights for you to do something with your marketing. And so if we have one piece of content that becomes a podcast, you know, a video on YouTube, an Instagram thing, we're getting all of that data to bring in and that's going to tell us, hey, keep doing this, do less of this, do more of this, because we have that information all from one piece of content. Exactly. The second model for content attribution, which is a lot more complex, is where you're doing this sort of the data unification, where you're taking, you're clicking, clicking export on Agora Pulse and getting your last 90 days worth of the performance on every single post, uh, mm-hmm. on every single social network. You're exporting your YouTube data, you're exporting your podcast data, and so on and so forth. And you end up with a spreadsheet that's you know, ginormous of all of this stuff. And then you have an objective of some kind. Maybe it's new users. Maybe it is you know whatever the, the, the key objectives, you, the KPIs you identified at each stage of the customer journey. And you run a really large regression analysis to say, okay, maybe new users is the thing. Of all of this content, which variables alone or together have the highest relationship to that outcome. And then you look at that channel and the content on it and say, okay, okay, we now know that YouTube is the channel that is driving the most for this. Let's take a look at the content on YouTube to see what, and now you take that YouTube content, all every single post and run the exact same analysis against your KPI and say, okay, which pieces of content have the highest relationship to that? So it's a multi-stage process to get to the content that's resonating best. And the challenge there for, well, besides the, the coding part, is then identifying, is that content resonant because of the content itself? Or was there something circumstantial that happened that, you know, we just happened to be in the right place at the right time? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's where sort of going back to the basics of who's your audience? Where do they hang out? What do they want? What questions are you answering for them? Because all of this, all of this discussion is all well and good, but you, you can't escape crappy content. So if you're not creating the right content in the first place, uh, it doesn't matter. It's like one of my coaches says, you know, you can't out eat, uh, you can't outwork out a bad diet. And so working out all the time is great. But if you're still going to McDonald's three times a day, it doesn't matter. You're just wasting your time and everybody else's time. And so it's the same thing with the content. If you don't know 
who you're targeting, if you don't know what questions they have, and if you're not answering those questions, this whole conversation becomes moot. It does. And that's where doing some competitive analysis can help to understand what's possible, right? So if you say you're, you're selling, I don't know, coffee beans, and you look at the content for all the different vendors out there, and if you're constantly benchmarking and running these analyses, you might find that, yeah, your content engagement rate's like 2%, but the leader in the field is getting 44% engagement on their content. So now you have a, a bar, you have a ceiling. Mm -hmm. They say, okay, the leader in the field is getting 44%. We are far away from that. So what are they doing with their content that's getting them that? Is it topical? Do they have a bigger audience or a better audience or something along those lines? Do they build a community? And there's going to be some shadow issues that that are not going to be discernible right you obviously can't see into a competitor's google analytics you probably can't uh, you maybe could join their slack group or their their discord community or whatever but there's going to always going to be those things behind the scenes that you don't have access to but at the very least doing that benchmarking will let you know okay there's no interest in our industry you know in, in publicly visible content at all so let's just mm -hmm. resume the the golf course golf playing and steak dinners because that's <laughs> that's how this is going to work or you find out oh there's a leader in our space that is crushing it for content let's figure out what they're doing and reverse engineer it because we can optimize with our data but mm -hmm. you, anytime you're doing data optimization you always run the risk of optimizing only for the data that you have that you know and if you're doing a bad job you will optimize to continue doing a bad job yeah so it sounds like there's a lot that goes into content attribution, but at the end of the day, it really starts with having the right content, having the right governance, making sure you're tagging things correctly so that you're setting yourself up for success. So even if you're using an out-of-the-box analysis system like Google Analytics, or if you're doing something more sophisticated, having those foundational pieces first are the priority. So have the content tag it correctly, and then you can figure out what's working. You know, I think, Chris, one of the great pro tips that you just gave was making sure that you have goals set up that align with what your journey looks like. So you have an awareness goal, you have an engagement goal, you have a consideration goal, a purchase goal, because that's going to be the thing that anchors each of these content pieces back to some form of reality of, okay, somebody signed up for my newsletter. Why did they sign up for my newsletter? Oh, they saw this thing okay, this is my engagement content now. Exactly. And if you have subject matter expertise in what your audience wants, mm -hmm. talk to your audience. Right? There's, there still is no substitute for, for talking to people. Um, I was at a conference last week and I was watching you know, some content from that. And as a marketer, I, you know, I'm obviously the target audience as well as, uh, you know, as somebody doing the analysis. There was a lot of stuff that made me go, wow, you're an idiot. That what, what, the words that just came out of your mouth were just uh, almost completely wrong. And anytime I have that reaction, I know there's a potential for some really good content because if it annoys me <laughs> as, as a member of the target audience, there's a chance that I can make a version of that that says, okay, here's how to do it better than, mm -hmm. than what you were just told. Yeah. And so I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. There is no substitution for talking to people, asking them what they want. I mean, this is the, you know, the end of one conversation that we have all the time. Don't assume that you know what people want because you're biased and you're just telling them what you think they want or what you actually want for yourself. 
ask people what they want, give them that, and you'll find that your customer journey gets cleaned up, people move through it, your data becomes cleaner, and you know, it's 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 not rocket surgery, as they say. Until it is. Until it is. Um, <laughs> any other final thoughts on content attribution before we head on out? Get your data governance squared away first. Make sure that you have a rigorous process for how you're tagging your content. Is this engagement content? What channel is this content on? Do not rely on these other systems to do the tagging for you. That is my number one, I guess, takeaway is take back control of what you have control over, and that's the tagging. Exactly. And as that applies to almost every analytic system out there. Mm -hmm. If you've got comments or questions or you want to share your experiences with content attribution, pop on over to our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 2,600 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is you listen to this show, if there's a place you'd rather get it, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, where you can find us on pretty much every channel that supports podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon.